This is a Monty Moment. I'm Johnny Montabano, joined today by Zan Bando. You know Zan from the MMA Outsiders here on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. He also joins us for Football Fridays on Fridays here on ETB. As we get you ready for a big weekend of college football action, Zan, it's conference championship weekend. First off, welcome. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you again for having me on. We've been looking forward to doing this for a bit, and I figured, well, it's uh, it's conference championship week, and I feel like my niche is uh, the Big Ten Conference. So what a better what a better time to go on with you and uh, talk about all of the madness that is college football uh, conference championship weekend, and of course the impending college football playoff. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the Big Ten's been a big talk this year because of Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State. And obviously we had the game this past weekend between Ohio State and Michigan, where Michigan did prevail once again for the third straight year. Now, Zan, you're a Big Ten guy. I know you do some work for, like, the Big Ten writing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you can find my work on MikeFarrellSports.com and uh, Men's Journal, where I cover Big Ten football, college football, recruiting, and everything, everything, everything. That's where too. So outside of my podcast ventures, I'm also a very a well balanced freelancer, if you if you will, at the moment. So absolutely, we will definitely check that out for sure. I know you sent me a, a link to uh, one of your articles from earlier in the season, and it was fantastic. Well, Zan, this I got to tell you, we get yourselves ready for conference championship weekend. Before we do, let's look at the college football playoff rankings because in the near ten years that this CFP has been around, I don't remember going into a championship weekend like we do with eight teams for four spots. I mean, this is really exciting. I mean, as we as we get ready, you ready for this Friday and Saturday, we've got Georgia number one, Michigan went up to two with their win over Ohio State, Washington jumped up to three, and Florida State back into the conversation at four. And then rounding out the top eight, Oregon five, Ohio State six, Texas seven, Alabama eight. Before we go any further, you have any issue with the order that they have right now? Um, not at the moment. I mean, I think going into this weekend, these are the four best teams. And I just want to say, even with the injury to Jordan Travis, I think the committee did the right thing by not punishing Florida State in this situation and keeping them out because they are one of the few undefeated teams left. So no, I don't want to have an issue with the order. Although I do think you can make the case for Georgia and or Michigan being number one, but I think I think they got it right. I, I totally agree. I think this order is the right way. Uh, you know, Georgia, you look at their schedule, Georgia's played and won against three ranked opponents. Michigan's best game really has been the two ranked games that they've had against Penn State and, and Ohio State. So I think if you base it just on strength the schedule, which they've seen it do, I would agree that I think Georgia is number one right now, Michigan too. And I agree. I'm, I'm happy that they didn't punch, punish Florida State because they have shown that in the past that they could punish teams for an injured player. I think that's why Georgia really did not start the initial CFP rankings is number one because of the injury to Brock Bowers. But yeah, I don't have a problem with this order at all. They're, they're staying consistent, which is, you know, a rare thing by this committee, but they're staying consistent because they're keeping Texas in front of Alabama. But I tell you what, when you look at this going into Friday and Saturday, I think the only guarantee I can tell you right now is that we're going to have a PAC 12 school in, For in sure. the final year of the conference. As we know, it'll be, they'll be one of the top four playing on new year's day. The thing to watch though, too, a fun fact is that no number one team, in this case, Georgia, at this point in the CFP has not made the semifinals. But again, this is not a normal year. So under some crazy scenarios, and I'm going to I'm gonna give you a couple when we make our picks here, that there is a possibility that this could be the first year that the number one team, in this case, Georgia, may not make it. I think it's going to take a lot, though, and we will see. We 
but it's it's going to be exciting. So are you ready to do this thing, Zan? Absolutely. All right. So five picks. I mean, we could pick every conference championship game, but I'm going to pick – we're going to pick the five biggest ones that have the biggest implication here on the CFP as we know it. So it starts out Friday night also, by the way, just to give you my record in our Monty Moment college picks this year, 25-21-1 and one here in 2023. And, again, we have five picks. And we'll try and get and try and go five and zero. But I got to tell you, to go five and zero, I think we're going to have to be bold here. And I'm I'm going pretty bold with these picks. And let's start out with maybe the game that has the biggest, one of the biggest implications on this in the CFP uh, on Friday night, Zan at 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC. We got the Pac-12 Championship between fifth-ranked Oregon, third-ranked Washington. It'll be a Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreit, Holly Rowe special on ABC. And the fifth-ranked Oregon Ducks are laying nine and a half points in this one. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like this is going to be a classic rematch. The first game at Washington about a month or so ago was just absolutely unbelievable. It was a complete shootout. And I expect the same thing from Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. And I think that this is where Michael Penix Jr. makes his Heisman case really clear. I think Washington edges or Oregon wins. And I actually think not only do they win, but they cover – uh, they covered the spread outright. It's going to be a very high school ring affair, probably like a forty-five to forty game in that one. I just see, I just see Washington's offense being a little bit too powerful, and I think whoever has the ball last in this one is going to win the game. So you have a high-scoring, high-scoring game here. Mm-hmm. See, I'm I'm different in that regard. I actually think this is kind of a lower-scoring one, unlike their first meeting, which was thirty-six, thirty-three. Uh, I actually think this is more like in the low 30s, maybe high 20s. So I know we're going to do an over-under in this too. But first and foremost, I'm actually – I'm taking Washington in the points. I think – I actually think the Ducks are going to still win. But I this is a lot of points to lay with two teams that are pretty close. And after their first meeting, the Ducks have won six straight. They put up 31 or more points in every game since uh, – in their six-game winning streak. Uh, even in the loss to Washington earlier, I mean, their offense was fantastic. Over 500 yard total yards, over six yards per play, 32 first downs, no turnovers. But I just feel since these two have met that Oregon's been the better team all around. Uh, and I think they've got plenty of motivation to get some revenge on Friday. And if you look at Washington's side here, they haven't had a double-digit victory since since late September their last two victories have come by combined five points. I mean, Washington State in that Apple Cup gave them a very, very good challenge. So I think if they're going to get a W in this one, it's going to be very, very close. I do like Washington to pull out all the stops in a very competitive game, but I just think this is too many points to lay with the Ducks. So while I do think they're going to win and get revenge, I am going to take the points with Washington on Friday night. And I know we did some wolf spread plays too. I I love the under in this game. It's 66 and a half. I actually think this is kind of a lower score one. I think the defense is actually to prevail, which is pretty rare for a Pac-12 game. But the Ducks have the kind of defense to slow down Washington. I don't feel like the Huskies have been as explosive as as earlier in the year. I think Penix has been dealing with some knick-knacking injuries. But I definitely do think we're going to be in for a thriller here on Friday night. And obviously the winner of this one, will get into the CFP top four. And I think that's going to be Oregon. So I'm going to take the Ducks to win, but for the spread, I will I will take the nine and a half with Washington on Friday night. Okay. 
So we'll see. We'll see there. And then we go to the four big games on Saturday. Let's start at noon Eastern at AT&T Stadium, the Big 12 Championship with Sean McDonough, Greg El- Greg McElroy, and Molly McGrath on ABC. It's 18th-ranked or Oklahoma State, the Cowboys, taking on the 7th-ranked Texas Longhorns. And those Longhorns trying to get into the CFP themselves are laying more than two touchdowns. Yeah, I just think with the way that Oklahoma State has played the last several weeks, I don't see how they lose by less than two touchdowns. I think that these are clearly the two best teams in the Big 12. I think this is the this is the matchup that that it, that it deserves to be in rightfully so. I just think that Quinn Ewers is a little bit better, and I think he has something that he has to prove, you know, or not really knowing what his college football future is going to be or if he's going to decide to transition to the NFL afterward. And I just this thing, this is one of those games where either way, no matter how, no matter how this game goes, I think these are the two best teams in the in the Big Twelve, and I, I think that Texas edges Oklahoma State, so I will pick Oklahoma State to cover. But I think Texas wins the Big Twelve championship and makes their case uh, for the CFP. I mean, gentlemen, Aaron Lee Corso, great choice, kid, great choice. Uh, yeah, you and I are in total agreement here. I think Texas wins this, but again, too many points to lay. I'm I'm taking I'm taking the Cowboys plus the 14 and a half. There's one thing that's almost a guarantee in the Big 12 championship games. They're close. Now we had a five-year stretch where there was no Big 12 game, but seven of the last eight conference title games have been inside of what this spread is. So I'm definitely backing Oklahoma State here. Now, that being said, though, the Longhorns would love to win this game by more than 14 and a half points to get a you know a convincing win and to really solidify themselves in the CFP. But the Cowboys have been one of the best turnaround stories in college football this season, and I think we see them throw everything at the Longhorns here, what has the potential to be an absolute classic. So, yes, I think Texas wins this, but I think, again, too many points to lay. So I'm going to grab them with Oklahoma State. But I think as long as the Longhorns win this by a touchdown or so, they will definitely elevate themselves in the conversation of one of the top four teams in the CFP and they need that if they want that conversation because right now the one thing the Longhorns do have is they do have the most important win or the best win in the country right now that win over Alabama back in week two that 10-point win in Tuscaloosa that right now is the biggest win in the country because if if they don't have that win if let's say they don't even play Alabama this year then they're not in this conversation I think as much as they are right now no, I would I would also argue the same thing. I would argue that if they hadn't played Alabama and or beaten Alabama, this Texas team would probably be eleven or twelve and not even in not even in the discussion considering who the remaining strength of schedule uh, was. So I'm in agreement and also if Oklahoma State wins this game and with in the next few years Mike Gundy decides to retire, I think that you could potentially look back on this potential upset as a Mike Gundy legacy game too. Yeah, certainly. That, that's definitely a possibility. And again, that last year in the Big 12, as we know it as well for them, uh, should be a classic down there at AT&T Stadium. I don't think the Cowboys, this this set of Cowboys wins it down there, but I think they keep it close. But I think Texas ultimately wins this Big 12 championship game. It's a Brad Nessler, Gary Danielson, Jenny Dell special on CBS. At 4 p.m. on Saturday, we got the SEC championship between number one Georgia and number eight, Alabama. Yes, we've seen these two before. And Zan, the number one team in the nation, the Georgia Bulldogs, are laying five and a half. Yeah, I mean, 
and this is a this is going to be a classic. You could argue this is a prequel to what well, could potentially have one of these two teams making the college football playoffs. So you want to talk about a de facto college football playoff game? This is exactly it a week early. I think that Georgia has a lot to prove. I think Carson Beck has a lot to prove. But to me, I just feel like Alabama is being disrespected in this spot. I mean, they barely beat um, Auburn a week ago. And and obviously they, they, they lost to Texas, which is a game they probably wish that they had back. But there's just something different about Alabama playing in the SEC championship game. And the, it really had George's number the last few years. And I actually think that Jalen Milrow has another phenomenal performance in those three touchdowns. Not only do I like Alabama to cover the five and a half, I actually think they upset Georgia and potentially ruin their season as a whole. So give me the, give me the tide. I got to tell you, this this if that is the case, that is what it's going to spark spark absolute chaos come Sunday at noon. Because the question mark would be, does out is that win enough to propel Alabama into the top four? You know, because again, they, if the committee has told you that they cannot leapfrog Texas because Texas has that, and why would they leapfrog them? If they both if they both win on Saturday, they can't do that. But also, do you take a a Georgia team that has just that one loss, even if it's a very close game. That's what ultimately the other thing too is, is how Alabama, if they, if they do win this is how they win it. Do they win in decisive fashion by like 20 or 30, or do they win this by a field goal? Because if Georgia loses this game on a last second field goal and a very entertaining game where they play great and ends up being really close, is that, does, is that enough to propel them out of the top four? That I don't know. You know, in years past, I think they'd still be safe, but based on everything that we're talking about, I don't think that I don't know if Georgia survives that. So it, it's, it's it's such a, very, a tough call. Yeah, it's a very good question. I think if Georgia loses the, this game by more than ten, I think you could consider them out of the conversation. But if the game is close, and then barring the outcomes of the other conference championship games, I think there's still a hope. But I think that Georgia can not worry about any of those possibilities if, if they win. So I think the thing that you need to focus on the most, at least, at least for Kirby Smart and company, is winning the game. Because if you lose by any margin over, uh, over 10, I, th- I think you could be sitting and playing the waiting game. And that's probably the last thing that he wants to do, is given his stature and him wanting to go back to the national championship and potentially repeat. So, um, yeah, I mean, and to be quite honest with you, out of all the conference championship games that we've gone through, I think I think this one is is, is the most highly anticipated by, by by far. I also think this is the toughest game of the pick of the week to pick against the of the, of the five that we're picking to pick against the spread. And I'm I'm even saying that with a huge number coming up in the Big Ten game coming up on, in two picks. But you know, the one thing also one of the other many things in this one is these were two teams that when we started the year, we didn't know what to expect because of the quarterback situation. Obviously, Stenson Bennett going pro, Bryce Young going pro. So that left us with two QBs that we never really saw before in uh, Carson Beck for Georgia and Jalen Milrow for Alabama. And if you if you look at how Jalen Milrow's turned his season around there for the Crimson Tide, I mean, it's one that you almost could see a documentary made out of, you know, from being benched against UCF, to now coming back and making that unbelievable throw on fourth and goal from 31 against Auburn last week. Uh, you know, he's playing with confidence. And the thing is, Georgia has not played a defensive team like Alabama all season long. No, 
No. So actually, you know, the, you know what play I'm more comfortable in making in this one is I'm almost more I'm more comfortable in taking the under in the in this one because both teams defensively aren't very very good. I think the over under was like 55, but let me, I can t- I can take a look at that for you. But as far as this one, there's multiple ways to make a pick on this game, but to me they all come to the same conclusion, and that is taking Bama plus the five and a half and. I would even go bold. If you gave me $20 to bet, I would take them on the money line too because I, I think they actually do have a chance. But as far as the spread, I have to back Bama in this spot. I, Georgia's the better team, the, maybe the more consistent team, and a comfortable win wouldn't surprise them. But just based off the spread, they're also 5-7 and seven this season, which includes a 4-6 and six against the spread record in its last 10 games. And Bama is playing its best ball this season right now, fresh off that emotional high against Auburn. They've covered in seven of the last 10. And Alabama has also not lost an SEC championship game since 2008. And they've won seven of its last eight meetings against Georgia. And we said it before, Zan, Nick Saban has come through in these spots time and time again. And I'm getting more than a field goal. I, I'm, yeah. I got to take, take the tie. I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if Georgia wins this, but I think this is a three-point game if Georgia wins it something like 27-24, but the way that Bama's playing right now, and I actually think there's a lot more pressure on Georgia than there is in Bama, so I, I will take the tide to at least keep it inside of this number in the SEC championship. But I think I, I think Bama wins the game 31-24. to That's my, that's my that's, pick. That's not a crazy play either. I mean, if you remember two years ago, I think it was two years ago when uh, Tua went down there and – beat them in that surprising game and they put up a ton of points, but then they met again in the rematch in the CFP and Georgia won that one. I think that was their first championship. Yep, um, that's exactly right. Over under, by the way, on Wolf spreads is 53 and a half. Uh, I'm, I'm really inclined to take the under because I think it's 27-24. You had a, what, 31-24, so that'd be a slight over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is going to be a thriller, and this is the one that's going to, I think, have the most impact on the CFP. So by Sands measure, if Alabama wins this one outright, I think it would all also depend on what everything everybody else has. So we're going to make a conclusion on that in the end. So we're both going to agree, though, that we're going to, at the bare minimum, take the points with the tide in the SEC championship. Also, also to a very interesting note, this is the last SEC championship game that will ever take place on CBS, which should, which should be very interesting. That's right. Because of the whole, that's that's going to change. That's going to change too, for, mm-hmm. for sure. And I think uh, Gary, I, I think Brad, Gary, and Jenny are going to be in for a thriller down there on Saturday afternoon. All right, let's go to some night championship games. Zan is a Joe Tessitore, Jesse Palmer, Katie George special on ABC, and at eight PM we've got fourteenth ranked Louisville, fourth ranked Florida State in the ACC championship. And the Seminoles, like you said before, without Jordan Travis, are laying two and a half. Yeah, I mean, this game just got a whole lot more interesting because of Jordan Travis's injury a couple of weeks ago. And I think Louisville is one of the biggest sleeper teams in all of college football that no one is really giving a ton of respect to. Um, I think this is going to be a closer game than people think, but I just think Florida State's going to have a little bit more stamina. I think, they're, I think their running game is a little bit better, and I think in their defense will make a couple plays that will uh that will determine the outcome. So I actually like Florida State and this win to win by about eight or so. But I do think that Louisville will give Florida State all they can handle and cause as as much chaos for let's say fifty seven out of sixty minutes and eight people fret until Florida State finally wins. But this is one of those games where 
I'm, I'm sure you would agree with this. I think this spread would be much higher if Jordan Travis was playing, but he isn't. So I think this is one of those games, too, where if you're a Florida State fan, you got to kind of hold your breath and you got to kind of hope the young kid can go in and make some plays because I'm sure he's never played in a game like this in his life. And uh, I'm sure this is definitely a big spot. But I think that uh, I th- I think that everyone. I think that everyone will be ready to go, and I just think overall too. I think the way that Florida State has played their schedule has been magnificent. Seems Louisville very similarly to when we started this recording. I think these are the two best teams in the ACC. I think these two teams deserve it, and I think they're going to go out and put on a hell of a show. So, yeah, you're. you're I, I do totally agree with you. And what helps Florida State also here is the fact that Louisville dropped only 14. And they didn't drop further because that's another big win for them on their resume. In case there were any doubts about Florida State, you know, with their with their resume here, you know, winning the ACC championship against the 14th-ranked team in the CFP, I think is going to help them a long way. But, yeah, you're totally right. If this number was north of 2.5 and, and if, if, if Jordan Travis wasn't playing this game was north of 2.5, then I almost would lean more towards Louisville because they do have the defense to win this game. And I think the loss that they had against Kentucky maybe was a little bit looking ahead. but And, yeah, Florida State maybe is shaky at best right now offensively with the loss of Travis. But I, I still I still trust them because I, I trust defensively how they are. I think they've got enough of a running game where it can grind out a, a game similar to their game against Florida last week. Uh, I know it didn't start off pretty, but their backup quarterback, Tate Rotomaker, has avoided costly mistakes so far. This season, he has not thrown a pick. He's thrown for five touchdowns in the short sample size. But I think this is more about the grunt, the ground game uh, for the Seminoles. And I think this is this at times may not be pretty, and it may come down to the wire. But since I'm laying less than a field goal, I think they're going to cap off an undefeated season here. So I will take the Seminoles to win the ACC championship on Saturday night, and that will help their cause um, going into just Sunday's to, rankings. Just a quick follow up, considering that. Louisville has a first-year coach um, in Jeff Brahman, considering that he just coached um, the Big Ten championship game a year ago in a loss to Michigan. Do you think that Jeff Brom kind of getting revenge in a different championship game, do you think what he had to go through last year will serve as any extra motivation going into Saturday? I think it'll help, yeah. I mean, there's definitely there definitely can be. I mean, I think he's done a great job over there at Louisville in his first year. I mean, they ha- they've had some pretty good wins for the most part. I mean, I know they've had some bad duds too, but, you know, considering where they were to where they are now, I, I think I think that absolutely is it, yeah. For sure. So this is a big one here. If, you know, again, more chaos. If Louisville pulls off this upset, then the ACC is out of the picture, and that helps you know the likes of Texas and Alabama. If we consider, if we assume that they're going to win their respective conference championship games earlier in the day on Saturday, and then Zan, it's your it's 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 your conference here. We've got a Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, Jenny Taft, and Tom Rinaldi special on Fox Saturday night for the Big Ten championship. It's sent second ranked Michigan with uh, Jim Harbaugh back as the head coach for this one. They take on 16th-ranked Iowa and not a typo as the Wolverines are a 23-point favorite heading into this one. Yeah, um, this game is going to be very interesting for several reasons, just considering the storylines. I mean, Iowa has won ugly the entire month of November in Michigan. You know, even even with their acting head coach, has just done a magnificent job in the absence of 
Jim Harbaugh. I think this is one of those classic um, Big Ten championship games for the Big Ten West is, you know, being sent out on a shield. I mean, it's only fitting that Iowa, one of the best defenses in the country, one of the worst offenses in the country, makes it to this game just considering how kind of unwatchable at times the Big Ten West was. But this Michigan team, I think, is a team of destiny. And, and, and could you make the argument that it is too many points? Yeah, but clearly, unless unless Iowa's defense comes to play and as Trey Taylor as the game of his life, putting Michigan in horrible field position, I just, I just don't see how Iowa can pull off this upset. And considering that even though Kay McNamara is now is now at Iowa and he's claiming that he knows everything, I just think that Michigan's a different beast. And I think that Blake Horn and Donovan Edwards have something to prove. And I just, Thing Michigan's gonna is just gonna make one too many plays. They might struggle for a quarter or so, but outside of maybe the first quarter getting their feet and then stuff, knowing that they've been to Indianapolis before, knowing that this is the second time in three years that they're playing this team, I think that outside of the first quarter, the second, third, and fourth quarter, assuming that Iowa doesn't do anything too drastic, I think it's gonna be all Michigan. The only way I could see Iowa winning this game is if they somehow get the ball first and jump on them early and try to make J.G. McCarthy think a little bit. But I think this is going to be a harder game for Iowa to win than it looks. So give me give me Michigan, although this is going to sound like a twist. I actually like Michigan to win, but I like Iowa to cover. In Michigan's last 11 games against the spread, we're only, the, um, the, only six and five and a little shaky. And I don't I don't see things uh, changing anytime soon. Yeah, they barely covered the spread against Ohio State, but you could argue if at one play that was ruled a touchdown was ruled an interception. Ohio State would have covered the spread. So I actually think that this is a Michigan win, but I think that Iowa covers the spread in a shocker. So let me ask you a question. What are you more comfortable in taking Michigan minus 23 or making a play on Michigan minus 23? I know you're not doing that. Would you rather do that? Or would you rather take the over under in this game, which is 35 and a half? I'd rather take, I'd rather take the over on it. Yeah. See, I think, yeah, it's it's tough because I think if it's under, I think if that's the under, I actually think Iowa covers. But I'm I'm going to lay the 23 here with Michigan because I just look at these two teams this season, and you know Iowa's only faced one ranked opponent this year, and they lost uh, 31 nothing back in that's September. Yeah, the, the Hawkeyes. I mean, they scored just over 15 points once in their last six games, and I just feel like. The nine blowout wins that Michigan has this year, I think it's. I think there's. I think Iowa struggling offense is going to have a tough time keeping pace in this one. So I think, you know, if I wanted to be really see, even if it's twenty eight seven, that goes under the thirty five and a half. So that's why it's tough to say to take Michigan minus twenty three and the under because I don't leave myself much wiggle room in that regard. I think I, I think Iowa will score some, but I think that that is what I think it is like. 31-10 Michigan, that's well, – 31-10 is only 21, so 31-7. I just feel it's also, you know, Harbaugh being back, and I feel like it's Michigan against the world right now. And I don't think they're going to collapse at least this time. I'm, I don't know which way I'm more comfortable in doing here. But for this, I'm going to lay the 23 here with Michigan. I, I, I will do it. So I will I'll lay the 23 and say Michigan wins this one pretty convincingly there um, against Iowa. So – the five picks for me, Zan, at least for conference championship week, I'm going to take Washington plus nine and a half, Oklahoma State plus 14 and a half, Bama plus five and a half, 
Florida State minus the two and a half, and Michigan minus the twenty-three. So with all yeah, of that, yeah, the only one, um, the only thing we disagree on is the is the Big Ten championship one. The rest, the rest we the rest we agree with. Right. So, we, we all agree on who's going to. I think we all do agree though on who's going to win all these five games. So let's let's play this scenario out really quick here. So okay. we have Oregon winning, so that's going to get them into the top four. We have Texas winning. I got to actually write this stuff down here. So we have Oregon and Texas winning. Okay. We have – you want to say for fun, let's say Alabama wins against Georgia. All right. Florida State wins and Michigan wins. So that means that Michigan would go one. Okay. That means that – let's see here if I do some math. Well, that this see, here's where the fun begins. See, I'm just trying to do this in order. It would – you would have to probably put Oregon two. You would put. See, here's the thing. By that scenario, Michigan would be one, Oregon would be two, Florida State would be three, and Texas would be four. So Bama would still be out of the picture. You would not have an SEC team in the in the CFP this year. No, you wouldn't. And that's what I'm saying. You cannot put you cannot put Alabama above those no. teams. Right, and you can't put Alabama in over Texas because they lost to Texas. Exactly. That's that is exactly right. That is why that is the most important win, the best win of the season right now. So there is, and I know there's been a lot of talk about this this week. Is oh, there's no way you can't put an, that an SEC team cannot be in the top four. Well, I just gave you a scenario where there is no no team, and again, we have not had a situation where the number one team entering the conference championship, the final, the penultimate week of the CFP. Has not made it, but you know what? By our scenario, there will not be a, a an SEC team in the top so, four. So realistically, is it um is is that your top four, or did you just want to play that scenario as a hypothetical? Because what would be what would what, what what would be your top four in that case? And then I'll give and then I'll give what mine would well, be. If we're going based on our picks from for this for today. I mean, obviously, if Georgia loses, you've got to put Michigan number one. One hundred percent. I think you. Oregon's resume is better than than Georgia's. I think you know. Sometimes you do this by eye test too. I, I I still think Georgia's better, but sometimes you have to base this off a of resume too. And I think, I honestly, my my thought would be, I think you have to put. I think you have to put Georgia still in that top four. But who am I knocking out? Am I knocking out Florida State or I'm knocking out Texas? Yeah, that's a good point. So my my top four would look something like this. So assuming Michigan beats Iowa, Michigan's number one. I would I would actually put Alabama number two. Assuming that assuming that they beat Georgia, uh, Washington would be number three, and Florida State would be number four. Wow! So you would you would actually you would leapfrog Alabama over Texas. Hmm. Wow. This is this is only assuming though that Texas. Who's his Oklahoma State? Now, if they now if they don't, all you have to do is swap Alabama out and put Texas in. Yeah. But, but that but but that four is the top four I would love to see. But but based on but based on my picks, all all, all you'd have to do is is put the Longhorns in for Alabama. That's it. Yeah. If Texas loses and Alabama wins, then I think then that's that in with that scenario. Then yeah, I guess you have to put Bama at number four. Hmm. Tell you what, the committee is going to have a hell of a time come Sunday. Uh, you know, I would love to be in that room Sunday at noon Eastern when the when the committee when the show comes out. 
Oh, for sure. I bet. I bet that Boo Corrigan will be staying up till five in the morning, trying to play, <laughs> trying to play out all, all the scenarios and have dozens of pieces of paper going into going into noon Eastern to figure it to figure it all out. It's gonna be. It's gonna be very interesting. The last year of the fourteen playoff as we know it, folks, and I'll tell you what they're going to go out with controversy, with drama. There is going to be one school, at least one school, on Sunday afternoon that is going to be heartbroken. That's all. That's what it's going to happen. I, I can't wait. We'll be back next week to talk about that for sure. Also, next week on you know when it comes to college football, transfer portal opens up on December the fourth. You know we've already heard some big names that are going to enter the transfer portal. We've also seen some head coaches that are going to be changing places, like Mike Elko leaving Duke to go to. A&M. So I'll tell you what, just because the college football season ending doesn't mean that the talk about college football is ending. And, you know, we'll have our bowl games too. So we'll be back next week to talk about that. But I'll tell you what, Zan, first off, thanks for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Of course. And of course you can catch Zan along with Tom Albano on the MMA Outsiders that drops Tuesdays at 7 PM here on the empty the bench podcast network. And Zan will join me and everybody from, from the empty the bench network on Friday at 12 p.m. for Football Friday. This will be week 13. I'll be back on back uh, as host for that as we get you ready, presented by Wolf Spreads for uh, week 13 of the NFL. That'll be on Friday. And, of course, we'll be back next week to talk about what happens with these games and so much more. So, of course, so for more, make sure to like us on Facebook and Twitter at GameOnETB, on Instagram at GameOn underscore ETB. Of course, check us out on youtube.com slash ETB network, where if you like our Monty moments and all of our content, leave us a like. If you're new, hit that subscribe button. And of course, make sure to hit that notification bell so you know when all of our stuff's going to be coming out. You can also check out our website at etbpodcasts.com for you know more information about our great network, including all the shows, our talent, and so much more. And if you cannot watch us, make sure that you can listen to us wherever you get your favorite podcasts on the go. So for Zan Bando, I'm Johnny Montepano. This has been a Monty Moment here on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network.